You're listening to Ask Dr. E, where Dr. Michael Easley answers your biblical or theological questions in 10 minutes or less. Today's question is from the archives, and it's from Jack, and he called in. So we're going to let Jack ask his question. Hi, Dr. E. I'm Jack from Houston. I know it means a lot of speculation, but what was Christ's purpose in going and proclaiming to the saints in prison? I've researched Sproul and MacArthur, and my eyes glazed over. Please have patience. I appreciate your answer. Thank you so much. Hello, Jack from Houston. Great question. Thank you so much for calling in. Uh, first of all, let me acknowledge this is a very complicated passage. Let's just get that on the table. And so uh, your research is bearing uh, fruit in, in the fact that, you know, it, it's tough and it's hard to find a simple answer. Let me direct you and redirect all of our listeners to uh, two sources. One is Dr. Tom Constable's Notes on the Bible. They're all free to download through Plano Bible Chapel, or you can just Google Constable's Notes and you'll find it. And he has a great summary of the three prominent views and uh, some rationale on why each view has strengths and weaknesses. And that's Dr. Tom Constable. And you'll look up the, his section on First Peter. Let me read two passages from First Peter for the rest of us who, who haven't studied what you're studying to get a sense on what we're talking about. Did Jesus go down to hell and what did he do when he was there? So this comes primarily from 1 Peter 3 and 4. 1 Peter three eighteen. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he also went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison, who were once disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. A couple observations here before I read the next one. This is in the spirit. Peter is being emphatic. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. In the spirit, he goes to proclaim to spirits who were imprisoned, and we're implying this is in hell, who were disobedient during the days of Noah, verse 20. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning at verse 4, we read, In all this, they are surprised that you do not run with them in the same excesses of dissipation, and they malign you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For the gospel has for this purpose been preached even to those who are dead, that though they are judged in the flesh as men, they will live in the spirit according to the will of God. So don't miss the connection again, dead in the flesh, but they're going to live in the spirit. So first comment, whether we're believers or not, because we're made in Majo Deo, the image of God, we're eternal. If we trust Christ, we live forever with Christ. If we don't trust Christ, we live forever apart from Christ because you cannot annihilate, destroy, eliminate the image of God. So this text is talking about death in the flesh, alive in the spirit. Jesus goes, he descends and preaches to uh, some group of spirits. So there are two primary views, actually three or four, but I'm going to distill it to two. He is descending into Hades between his death and resurrection, and he's offering the people 
who lived before the flood a second chance. So think about this. So they, they watched Noah build the ark. Everybody but the eight die. And so Jesus, before his resurrection, goes to Hades, and we'll talk about Hades in a second, and he's preaching the gospel of them to give them a second chance. There's no support in the Bible for a second chance of salvation. That's one view. The second view can be distilled into Christ descends into hell, again, after he's crucified, before he's resurrected, to proclaim victory. And this can be parsed a little deeper, but let's just say to the imprisoned fallen angels, and I would add even to those who uh, were alive during Noah's time but are dead. There are now spirits in Hades, but he's preaching to them. Uh, Some of the reformers, Luther, if memory serves, said that Noah, through building the ark, was preaching the whole time he's building the ark in the sense that what he's doing by obeying God as this one way of salvation, eight souls, uh, this is the extent he goes to, and God's patient for 120 years, but people don't respond. So what, what Peter seems to be saying is that through the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, He's preaching to all those, uh, we would say those who lived before the time of the ark, even to those today, that he's accomplished his life, death, burial, and resurrection. I found a fascinating article that you can also look up. It's only a page, so it's super short, uh, by John Piper called, Did Jesus Spend Saturday in Hell? (laughs) That's uh, better said than I could come up with. And if you search Desiring God, you'll find that did Jesus spend Saturday in hell? And he does a real simple high view of this. And he suggests that the phrase, he descended into hell, uh, ought to be removed from the Apostles' Creed because it's it's such a complicated uh, explanation of this passage. But at the highest level, I think we're safe to say Christ, death physically, he's alive spiritually. Hades might be a two-compartment paradiso, uh, and those who, all of us who have died are in this stasis place until the ultimate resurrection. And this gets pretty deep into theological speculation. But if indeed we're, you know, we're bodily separated, uh, Paul says to die, he's to be with Christ, but until our bodies are resurrected, we're not fully ascended in the same way Jesus is. And again, there's some speculation there we can't be bulldogmatic about. But I think Christ, by nature of his death, burial, resurrection in the Spirit, has proclaimed to all who've lived forever that he accomplished a life over death. That's not a second chance theology. And the illustration is, look how patient he was 120 years during the time of Noah and he's still that patient, but the hard fact is only a few, only a remnant will respond to the offer of salvation. Hmm. So, Dad, I mean, going back to Peter and who he was writing to at this moment, like, what do you think, what was the purpose of him communicating even that to them? It's a great clarification. So, First Peter is written to those who are being persecuted for the sake of the gospel. It's a book of suffering. It's a book of the, the diaspora, those who've been pushed out. And so if they're suffering and afflicted and dispersed from home and may never go back home, so to speak, this would mean a great deal to them mm-hmm. that you're, you're in a tough time and it's a, it, it seems like a long time, but look how patient God is. Mm-hmm. Look how patient he was in the days of Noah. Look how patient he is today. And then he'll continue in this chapter to talk about uh, we share in, uh, one of the 
great mysteries for me personally is the fellowship of suffering. What in the world does that mean? That somehow our suffering is the fellowship of suffering with Christ. Mm. But all that to say, I think they would hear it as, you know, our life's terrible, we're suffering, we're being persecuted for the cause of Christ. And Peter is the shepherd apostles reminding them that Christ was patient mm. and he preached to the souls in hell in Hades that he overcame death. And for the rest of us, we learn who are living, look how patient he is. The gospel is true, but only the small number will respond by faith. If you've got a question for Dr. E, call us, text us, email us. The info is in your show notes. Ask Dr. E is produced by me, Hannah Seymour, mixed and mastered by Sonamorphic, and music composed by Jason Germain.